The Lord be with you. My name is Philip Anderson. I'm the hub leader of the Northwest Hub in Church Wigan and the Area Dean of Wigan. Today I'm going to be reflecting on the return of a library book. But first, a reading from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. On a winter's day in January 2019, I took a train from Wigan to London. Just along the road from Euston Station is the modern red brick building that contains the British Library. Deep in their vaults, they were playing host to a visitor, last seen in England 1300 years before. The visitor had come from Italy and was looking pretty good for its age, almost as good as new in fact. It was a book, an enormous library book, sent to London by special arrangement for an exhibition about culture and faith in the Anglo-Saxon era, which is roughly the years 500 to 1066. There were all kinds of manuscripts and other treasures, but the star of the show was this enormous book, a Bible, nearly 20 inches thick, 35 kilograms in weight, the oldest complete Bible in Latin in the world, written on vellum, stretched out animal hide, not paper, the colours of the hand-drawn artwork and the beautiful text were vivid. The script easy to read, obviously not in modern English, but in clear Latin, all in capital letters. This book had been a labour of love. It was twenty years or more in the making. First, the land was set aside for the raising of two thousand cattle, whose hides would be used to make that durable vellum that still looks new to this day. 
Then thousands of hours went into the design and the writing of the book, which is done in a way that looks immaculate. Three copies were made, two to be kept in England and one to be sent as a gift. This all happened in the northeast of England, in what was then the Kingdom of Northumbria, with the financial and moral support of those northern kings, encouraging the monks of the monastery of Monkweermouth Jarrow to produce these books at vast expense. This would have been the equivalent of HS2, or the building of the aircraft carriers, in its expense and importance for the kingdom. The one surviving copy is the one that was sent as a gift when newly completed to Rome as a gift for the Pope. The English church in those days felt a particular debt of gratitude to Rome because Pope Gregory the Great had sent missionaries to Canterbury to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to their English ancestors. As the centuries passed, the huge book passed from Rome to a monastery in Florence, where, because of the quality of the writing and the artwork, it came to be forgotten that the giant tome came from England, and it was assumed that such a sophisticated book must have been Italian. The inscription at the beginning was altered, at some point in the Middle Ages, to make it look as if it had always belonged to those Italian monks. But then, in Victorian times, the original dedication was noticed, still legible although scribbled out, and it revealed how advanced and serious about scripture the early English Christians had been. We have had plenty of occasion of late to take stock of who we are as a nation, of where we hope to be led, and of where we have come from. This enormous Bible, in front of which I spent perhaps ten minutes just gazing in wonder, reminded me of how in more recent centuries, there has been a similar great tradition in this country of sending the Bible to people overseas, translating it into their own languages, so that people in every part of the world can read and encounter God through the inspired words of Scripture just as those monks in the northeast did 1300 years ago. The Anglo-Saxon period is often described as being in the Dark Ages, but this giant Bible tells a different story of the light of faith, of scholarship, of gratitude and fellowship, 
that crossed between nations. And of the challenge to me and to us as 21st century Christians to be similarly lavish and ambitious in our worship, in our thirst for God's word, in giving God of our best. As the letter to the Hebrews put it, whether in the first, the eighth or the 21st century, discipleship means both resting in God and opening our hearts to the piercing surgical precision of his life-giving word. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.